minutes a day, 365 days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the Pack a Day Podcast. You can get all your Pack a Day updates by following us on Twitter at Pack a Day Podcast. And remember to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn, Stitcher, or Spotify. And of course, you can always check us out at cheeseheadtv.com. My name is Kyle Fellows, and I'm joined by my co-host, Andrew Mertig. Andrew, welcome back to another Friday edition of the show. Thanks, Kyle. I am uh, doing really great. It seems some things have changed since we talked last week. We were sort of mourning the end of the Packers season, but then they go out on Sunday, they get a big win, and now people are talking about playoffs. Playoffs? Playoffs? The Packers continue to adjust their roster due to injury, and then you know they're testing out some young talent, but it seems like they actually have something to play for. Um, but Kyle, I wanted you to talk a little bit about one of the players that I know you are really high on that the Packers acquired this week. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, on Wednesday, the Packers signed offensive guard Nico Siragusa off of the Baltimore Ravens practice squad, and I tweeted that I got irrationally excited about this pickup uh, I even called Nico a future Pro Bowl guard. And now, obviously, that's over the top. I'm just excited. You know, Nico is yet to do anything in this league. But I was really excited about this move because Siragusa was one of my draft crushes from the 2017 NFL draft class. And he was one of the players I thought that the Packers might actually select with their fourth round pick that they actually used on former Packer and Wisconsin Badger Vince Beagle. Um, but Siragusa was taken 14 picks later by the Ravens and his you know career hasn't gone as he would have hoped but there's a big reason for that uh, he spent his rookie year on injured reserve after tearing his ACL his MCL and his PCL in training camp that year so obviously a significant injury that set Nico back um, and his career obviously but as a draft prospect Siragusa was sought after for his elite strength and his ability to win you know kind of in a phone booth he has a really powerful punch. Uh, He's a real force in the run game. Uh, He's not an elite athlete, which is a little bit interesting because he doesn't fit the mold of Ted Thompson and the offensive lineman that we kind of got used to seeing here over the years. But neither did Byron Bell that was brought in this year. So maybe we're starting to see a little bit of a change there uh, with Brian Gutekunst at GM. Siragusa will wear number 56 for the Packers, which is the number he wore at San Diego State. Uh, but many draft pundits had a second or even a third round grade on Siragusa. So the talent is definitely there. And with so many injuries and question marks on this offensive line, especially at right guard, it will be interesting to see if Nico Siragusa can get his career back on track with uh, his second chance that he has here with the Packers. And I wanted to talk a little bit about a different player when it comes to the roster shuffling that we're seeing towards the end of the season. And I'm certainly willing to admit when I'm wrong. And I was definitely wrong about Kendall Donerson breaking out last week. And that was mainly because the Packers decided to not even activate him. I understand they wanted Fidel Brown to um, be active to potentially support the run, a position admittedly they're kind of lacking in. But I do want to see Donerson before the year is over. He has so much potential. And it is time to start evaluating what role he can play in the future. We've spent a bunch of time talking about how the Packers could invest in the edge position this offseason in a big way through both free agency and high draft selections. 
But if the Packers have anything in future pieces with Kyler Fackrell and potentially Donerson that can save some of their resources for other team needs like tackle and safety, I think now is the time to start figuring that out. Yeah, absolutely. It's a great time to start putting feelers out uh, for those things. But I'm actually impressed that you use the words future pieces and you use the name Kyler Fackrell. And I know that you already said that you're willing to admit when you're wrong, um, but future pieces like is a big thing to say about Kyler, Kyler Fackrell. Um, well, we obviously wish Andy Herman a full and quick recovery. Um, Absolutely. But I will say if we had him here, um, you know, healthy and, and ready to go, he probably would have fired me from the podcast a long time ago with my <laughs> horrible takes on Kyler Fackrell, uh, who has quickly become the face of the organization and clearly the greatest thing to ever happen to the Green Bay Packers. <laughs> I'm glad you got that off your chest. That's good. Yeah. Um, I can't believe that I'm going to say this, uh, but as Andrew mentioned earlier in the show, the Packers are currently still very much alive in the playoff hunt. It seems crazy to say, but it's true. Uh, several weeks back, Aaron Rodgers made a comment that he didn't think that an 8-7-1 team would get in, but it's looking more and more like that might just be the case. Uh, whether that's the Packers or the Vikings or another team, the Packers definitely still need some help to get there. Uh, they need the Panthers to lose a game, uh, but it's important to note that the Panthers are on a five-game losing streak, and they'll play the Saints twice in the last three weeks of the season. Uh, that's a Saints team that's going to be motivated to hang on to that number one seed in the NFC, and the Packers would need the Washington footballers to also lose one of their final three games, uh, but that's almost a guarantee with the condition of their quarterback situation and the recent play of their defense, not to mention the recent play of newly acquired safety the ha-ha Clinton Dix. Note that they did have a very good defense at the beginning of the season, but that has not continued uh, with that recent acquisition. I don't know if that's something that relates or not, but worth noting. Seems uh, to be but, a bit of a correlation there. Yeah, maybe just a little bit of a correlation. Uh, but they also need the Eagles to drop one of their games. And as we learned earlier this week, uh, we get more details um, on these things as they come out. And we did hear on Thursday that it sounds like Carson Wentz might be potentially out for the season with a significant back injury um, if they decide that that's the best course course of action for him to heal up. Um, Obviously, there's a little bit of drama surrounding that, so we'll see what happens. Um, But the Eagles have legend of old Nick Foles as their backup option, but with a game against the L.A. Rams this week and then a matchup against the Texans in Week 16, the Eagles certainly have a tough task ahead of them if they're going to avoid losing a game in these last three weeks. Uh, but then obviously the big domino that the Packers need to happen would be for the Vikings to lose two of their final three games. Minnesota plays Miami, Detroit, and Chicago to close out the season. So that's where things are going to get a little bit interesting. Now that's a lot uh, to process and a lot to keep track of. Andrew, how optimistic are you that the Packers have a real shot at sneaking into the postseason? I am not optimistic. uh, (laughs) Just because I don't see the Packers winning this weekend. But they certainly have a decent chance. Um, The offense proved they could move the ball in the second half against the Bears in the first game of the season, and the Bears' offense is truly pathetic. Yeah, that's what what I think. Um, If the offensive line can play out of their minds and and Joe Philbin can scheme up some quick passes and scheme protections, maybe they can come away with a victory. 
And if Green Bay gets a win, they will certainly be favored against the Jets and the Lions. And there, we've laid out a path to the playoffs. The Packers have something like a 5% chance of making the playoffs. I don't know the exact number. Um, But if they win out, that increases to a very reasonable 40%. So, you know, it's not unthinkable, um, but... They have to get over that first obstacle, that is to beat the Bears. Yeah, obviously. This is all, you know, it it means nothing if the Packers don't win out and take care of what they can control. And that starts this Sunday with what is probably the Packers' biggest test of the rest of the way. And it pains me to say it, but Sunday's matchup is against a very good Chicago Bears team and especially a very good Chicago Bears defense. And so we want to take a little bit of a closer look at this week's game and some of the matchups that we're going to be keeping our eyes on in this game. Andrew, why don't you get us started and uh, talk about a little bit of that? Yeah, so the first matchup that I wanted to take a look at was going to be Jason Spriggs and Mercedes Lewis and Jamal Williams at all. Um, Maybe putting some something together like a Frankenstein's monster (laughs) sort of creation to block Khalil Mack. Um, whatever group work they're going to do, it needs to be done with a focus on number 52 on the Bears. Um, Max certainly isn't the only pass rusher the Packers have to worry about, but he is the guy who can wreck your whole day on pretty much any given play. It doesn't seem like Brian Balaga will be playing. Uh, he hasn't been practicing, um, but there is no way Jason Spriggs is going to be put one-on-one against Mac. So Lewis and Williams are going to be expected to help out and chip and double team and do whatever they can to help slow down Mac to get the ball out of Rogers' hands. Akeem Hicks and others are certainly going to benefit from this. So I am really hoping David Bakhtiari and Corey Lindsley are going to be near perfect because they are going to be surrounded by a lot of inexperience and Aaron Rodgers is not going to be able to hold on to the ball for very long. Yeah, absolutely. They're going to need to get that ball out of there quick, I think, to have a chance in this one. And you mentioned Jamal Williams. And, you know, I want to talk a little bit more about the Packers running game and those running backs and how they're going to fare against this Bears defense. We saw a very interesting combination of Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams in last week's game against the Falcons. Aaron Jones ended the day with a solid stat line of 17 rushing attempts for 78 yards and a touchdown. He also had three catches for 28 yards as well. But Jamal Williams was used early and often in this game. And so I'm curious to say which of these to see which of these running backs is going to be used in which situations, because clearly Aaron Jones is the more explosive player. Uh, But Jamal was very much valued by Mike McCarthy and that staff. And as we saw on Sunday, this continues to be the case even after McCarthy's departure. And we know that the Bears' defense is really, really tough. And we know that Aaron Rodgers, like I said, is going to have to get this ball out quickly, especially if, as Andrew said, Jason Spriggs is the starting right tackle and is slow he's going to be tasked to slow down Cleo Mack. We can't actually expect him to stop him. And so in that scenario, it would certainly make sense that the Packers would want to leave Jamal Williams in the game to help in pass protection. Uh, But we did see some really interesting looks from Green Bay's offense last week when they had both Williams and Jones on the field together. And so it'll be fun to see if some of those creative combinations continue. And we know that fans have just been asking for more and more of Aaron Jones all season, and for good reason. He's a very good player. Um, On Sunday, Jones' 20 touches tied a season high for him, and so it's going to be interesting to see if the Packers choose to attack this Bears defense in a way that emphasizes Aaron Jones and how these running backs factor into the game plan. Yeah, that's going to be really important. And flipping to the other side of the ball, 
My next matchup is Mitch Trubisky versus the hands of the Packers secondary. Uh, Trubisky has certainly become a good game manager this season, but he hasn't developed into an above average passer yet. He is going to give the Packers young secondary a few different opportunities to change the game. And the entire defense has been really bad at creating turnovers all year. So it would be a great opportunity to buck that trend. Right now, Bashaw Breeland is out dealing with a personal matter, and we have absolutely no idea if he will actually play and continue the strides that he made last week. So, Josh Jackson, it is time to step up. He has been a little bit slow all year, um, trailing a lot of receivers, but we know he has the anticipation and the ball skills to make huge plays. And I believe this is the week when it finally happens. Nice, nice call. So we'll see if uh, if this is the week that Josh Jackson uh, makes that big play uh, that could be a momentum shifter. Um, I was talking to a Bears fan this week, and they were actually hoping that the Bears did nothing but run the ball because they've <laughs> lost complete trust in Mitch <laughs> Trubisky. So uh, we'll see what uh, what game plan Chicago comes with in this game. But um, speaking of running the ball a little bit, I want to talk about uh, Tariq Cohen versus the Packers defense. Uh, the Bears' defense is a lot more scary to me than their offense, but they're, if there's one player that could give this defense a headache, it is Cohen. Uh, the Packers simply don't have the athletic linebacker that you'd like to see match up with a player like Cohen, and frankly, there are just not very many defenders in the league, regardless of position, that have the necessary athletic tricks to stick with a player like Cohen. Uh, two weeks ago, the Bears lost to the Giants, but in that game, Tariq Cohen logged almost 200 yards of offense on his own, including 12 receptions for 156 yards and a TD. Now, you know that Mike Pettin is not unaware of this, right? Um, He clearly knows that the Bears want to get the ball to Cohen in space. And so I'm going to be watching to see how the Packers plan to contain Cohen. Uh, That might involve someone like Josh Jones and the safeties and some looks. But in week one, Coach Pettin actually put rookie cornerback Jair Alexander, Alexander, there it is, in coverage on Cohen, which actually worked really well. Um, Obviously, the Packers are beat up and have quite a few defenders on their injury report, but it will be interesting to me to see if Mike Pettin decides to take a corner like Jair off of a receiver to try to shut down arguably one of the more dynamic players on this team and in football in Tariq Cohen. Interesting. You you almost stole my idea. Um, talking a little bit about how Pettin is going to scheme up against that Bears offense, uh, because my next matchup was actually a coaching matchup: Matt Nagy versus Mike Pettin. Nice. Um, certainly, what the Bears lack in playmakers, they they more than make up for in creativity. They're able to scheme guys open, um, like the aforementioned Tree Cohen, and create a lot of confusion on defense with misdirection. Um, very unique personnel packages. So Pettin is going to need to have his guys coached up to maintain their gaps and keep solid eye discipline. And I think the most important aspect is the players actually need to produce on the field and make open field tackles. Green Bay has had some missed tackles in critical situations all season that have usually cost their defense some some really strong performances and sometimes games. Um, And letting Jordan Howard or Tariq Cohen get loose is going to make for a very, very long day. Yeah, absolutely. Um, My last thing that I'm going to be keeping my eye on in this game, uh, mostly just because I think it's going to be a lot of fun to watch, is Kyle Fuller versus Devontae Adams. 
the 2018 season has been kind of disappointing for a lot of Packers players. Um, and you just you could say that they're having some subpar years. You could look at Mike Daniels and Jimmy Graham and even Aaron Rodgers in that category. But Devontae Adams is one player that is absolutely having his best year as a pro. He's just shy of 1,200 yards on 92 receptions, and he has 12 touchdowns to boot. And so in Sunday's matchup, he'll be facing the Bears' Kyle Fuller, who was almost a Packer this past offseason and who had a chance to end the Packers' Week 1 comeback if he could just secure that gift interception from Rodgers on a play that Adams actually fell down on. And so I expect Fuller to come to play in this game. I expect Fuller uh, to want to prove himself a little bit in this game. And Fuller has even talked this week about how much he would like to be the guy to end Aaron Rodgers' streak of pass attempts without an interception. But in a game that's almost, you know... It's going to require Rodgers to get the ball out quickly in this game. I would expect Adams and the slant route to be something that finds some success here. Uh, But we'll have to wait until Sunday to see if Devontae Adams continues the dominant play that he's had this year. And if he can show that in a a game that's against one of the more dominant defenses and one of the more dominant defenders in the league. Yeah, and so those are some matchups that we're looking forward to. And um, it certainly is nice to be talking about the upcoming game um, and have some some, uh, you know, interest in what actually occurs on the field, albeit a super crappy field. Um, <laughs> like, please maintain your your field to NFL standards. It's getting a little bit ridiculous, Chicago. Um, but anyways, we're going to transition into um, a segment that we do every single week where we update you on the Packers' two first-round picks and, and where those are currently sitting. If the season ended today, the Packers would have the 12th selection, so down a little bit from last week. Way to win. Um, and the 30th pick, which is exactly the same as where the Saints pick uh, fell last week in the 2019 draft, the Saints do play in Carolina against the Panthers on Monday Night Football. Um, However, even if the Saints were to lose on Monday night, uh, the pick is going to stay in the same spot next week. So um, really nothing to gain at that point. Um, So we'll we'll keep our eyes open, and I think the Saints losing in the playoffs is going to have a much bigger impact on their draft selection than actually anything that happens the remainder of the regular season. But that is all the time we have for today. This has been the Pack-A-Day podcast. You can find Kyle on Twitter at Packer underscore Pundit, and you can find me at Andrew Mertig. Remember to follow at Pack-A-Day podcast as well. Please subscribe to the Pack-A-Day podcast if you like what we're doing. Tomorrow's episode is going to be hosted by Mike and Tyler. And check out Jacob and Zach as they get you ready for the game on Sunday. You can catch Kyle and myself every single Friday. We'll be back next Friday with a preview of the Packers' Week 16 game against the J-E-T-S New York Jets. Thanks for listening, and as always, remember... The Bears still suck. The Bears still suck. The Bears still suck. The Bears still suck. They really, 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 really suck. Yes, the Bears still suck. Oops, wrong button. I did that in week one against the Bears, too. I meant to say, as always, remember... On first and goal, snap to Rodgers. Throws left side, got Devontae at the pylon. Is he in? Yes, a touchdown! Jimmy Graham in the slot right as well. 
Devontae solo left. Press coverage on him. From the shotgun, here's the snap on second down. Lofting left side. Rodgers has that. He's down the left side. Lines out of bounds across the 40. Third and five. 13-yard line of Atlanta. Snap to Ryan. Looks right. Goes right there. Intercepted to the house. Bishop Freeland. Touchdown, Green Bay Packers. 19-yard interception return. And it's 16-7, Packers. From the shotgun on third down and 10. Football to the 24 of Atlanta. Snap to Rodgers. Steps up. Lost it. Left side. And passes without an interception Aaron Rodgers 359 in a row and he does it in style to Randall Cobb 24 yard touchdown pass second and short get Jones big hole right side 20 15 10 to the end zone touchdown there's the big play we were waiting for in the ground game Aaron Jones 29 yards!